This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Real EFL's League 2 Look Back. I am your host as always, Matt, and I am for, uh, joined this week by obviously somebody you all know, Charlie. Hello Charlie, how you doing buddy? Uh, yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, pretty impressive 0-0 draw for Lincoln yesterday, so I know it's not League 2, but I have to be able to bring it up. Uh, so I, I'm in a nice chirpy mood compared to some of the recent podcasts we've done together, Matt. <laughs> Oh, that's always good. And we have a newbie joining us this week. Kyle, welcome to the League Two Lookback. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Um, just been Sheffield United today, so that was a, a really, really interesting uh, climax there. Um, I can't say I've seen many better this season, to be honest. But yeah, I'm looking forward to looking looking back at League Two now. Get away yeah, well... from the Premier League. Yeah, well, obviously, the good thing with League Two is we don't have to worry about VAR in League Two, <laughs> although although we definitely probably needed it at Gillingham Football Club, but I'm sure we'll come on to that a little bit later. Let's move on to our very first game of the day, and this was Barrow versus Crew Alexandra. Now, this past Saturday in League Two saw Barrow uh, face Crew Alexandra in a crucial matchup as both teams vie for an automatic promotion. Now, before kickoff, Barrow were in fourth place with 13 wins, 10 draws, and four losses, but seeking greater consistency after a recent downturn in form. However, they were unbeaten at home going into the game and were looking to capitalise on this advantage. Crew Alexandra, on the other hand, with 13 wins, eight draws, and six losses, are enjoying a recent upturn with a three-match winning streak heading into the game, including an impressive away win against third-place Mansfield Town. Now, despite previous struggles on the road, Crew are poised to push Barrow uh, after their recent improvements and both teams were hoping for a crucial win in this highly anticipated match. And after the referee blew his whistle for full time, it finished. Barrow won, Crew Alexandra three. Guys, uh, first off, did you watch the game yesterday? Uh, I've got to say a massive shout out to uh, Lewis Billington and uh, Mattis uh, Holifek, I believe his name is, uh, for scoring their first senior goals for Crew yesterday. But did you watch it? Do you think Crew were valued for the win? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think they... This was a huge game for both sides on the pure basis that they were the only two teams in the top six that actually played yesterday. Now, we all know the storms that are battering clubs up and down the country at the minute. And the storm came from crew as they... They they were good value for the victory. I mean, if you just look at the shots and shots on target, things like that. Now, you can never really read into a game based on possession, shot, shots on target. You know, it's a very archaic form of analysing a game. But it still can tell you a little bit. 50-50 possession, 13-13 on shots, shots on target, five for Barrow, six for Crew. Now, on the, on the face of that, it says, OK, we'll both have the same amount of chances. Crew were simply better at putting them away. And realistically, that is what it was. Barrow, we know how good they are this season. And when they get a run of momentum, it's absolutely fantastic. They haven't had the greatest run recently, though. You know, as, as you mentioned, Matt, we kind of worried um, when, you know, this this amazing run that Barrow were, were on a little bit earlier in the season, you know, Pete Wild fist pumps every single weekend, it felt like. When that came to an end, how much were they going to struggle? How much belief were they going to lose? Now, I don't think they necessarily lost massive amounts of belief, don't get me wrong, but suddenly some of the balls that drop don't quite drop for you the same way. And, you know, sometimes the shots that you have been taking that maybe got a deflection in or or would just somehow manage to find themselves, find their way into the back of the net, simply didn't yesterday. And that's all it was. There was no kind of major capitulation by Barrow. Crew Alexander were good value for the victory because they had their chances. They had a good few of them and they took them really well. Um, Barrow, they took one. You know, they, they got the lead with Robbie Gotts in the ninth minute, but unfortunately lost that in the 90th and obviously never uh, was were never able to reclaim it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, watching back on, on the actual game yesterday, the first goal uh, by Barrow in the ninth minute, uh, Robbie Gotts, uh, as you said, uh, put it away. Um my initial thought, I've got to talk about the goal first, was there was a bit of a, what I call poor defending there by the Crew Alexandra player. He ball came in, uh, there was a cross from, uh, I believe it was Worrell, I believe, uh, crossed the ball in. And the Crew Alexandra player just sort of stood off. And that's not kind of what I've expected from Crew this season. They're normally diving in there and, and, and jumping jumping in. But the one thing that Crew, I, I found this season, whenever they've gone a goal down is their heads don't drop, they fight back. And they certainly did. And within... You know, pretty much what was it? Uh, about ten minutes, I think they were uh, leveled again. Was it uh, Nevitt scored for for Crew? Um, now, look, the, the 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 actual game. Obviously, if you look at it based on the stats, it seemed like it was a very very fifty fifty game, Carl. But do you believe? You know, was it Barrow? Did Barrow lose the game yesterday? Or do you believe that Crew actually went ahead and won the game? I know it's a bit of a weird question to ask, but do you, you know. It just didn't seem like the same Barrow that we're used to seeing week on, week out. No, they've, they've certainly hit a, a bit of a sticky run of form. I mean, that was a, that was their first time loss of the season, uh, I believe, yesterday. So, there's there's definitely signs that, that they're dropping off. But, uh, no, I, I believe I believe Crew won that game 100%. Um, I watched them earlier in the season against Derby in their FA Cup replay and they were superb. And as you alluded to earlier... Um, going a goal down and and fighting back to win, they did the same. They did the same that day. So yeah, they showed they showed real character because it's it's a tough place to go, Barrow, and as it's proved this season. So to 
to come back and to take the points yesterday is, is really big. And particularly with uh, with two youngsters scoring, Billington, 19 years of age, Hoylek is 18 years of age. It's, it's massive credit to, to how they start, uh, how they continue the season. And yeah, that's a, it's a really big win for them. Absolutely. Um, and Billington, obviously, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, he literally uh, 24 hours before his goal had just signed a new contract uh, with crew there. Uh, so obviously he's now going to be uh, staying around at the club. Um, Charlie, I'm, I'm just going to come over to you for this one. So uh, uh, this is just a quick question here, uh, just regarding Barrow. I'll, 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 it's not really a yes or no answer, but I want you a yes or no answer and then uh, 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 your reasoning afterwards. But is this just a blip in the road and are Barrow still potentially going to go up this year? I think they've still got just as much chance as what they have done for the rest of the season. Um, I've never quite been so bold as to say that Barrow are going to go up this year myself. A lot of people obviously have got on the Pete Wild hype train and rightly so because of the way that not just he's got his team playing, but the way he's got the fans behind the team. You can just tell how much of a unified place it is there up at Barrow at the moment. And I still think they are in with a great chance of getting promotion. Um, I'd struggle to see them breaking into the top three personally, but that's got nothing to do with Barrow. That's just more the strength of other sides. Um, I mean, crew. Now, I, you know, we, we do this podcast more or less weekly, don't we, Matt? And I talk about all of these, all of these clubs in League Two and all of the sort of crazy results that we get and all of this. But do you know what? Crew have gone under the radar for me as to just how good they've been and actually how close they are to the top. You know, they're, they're joint on points with third place. Now, okay, games in hand and such. But I don't, I don't know. At this point in the league, at this point in the season, I'd much prefer to have the points on the board. And that's what Crew have. Our Crew in with a chance of sealing one of those automatic promotion spots, like we thought Barrow were going to be able to do when they're on that incredible seven or eight game winning run. It's going to be a really, really interesting second half of the season. Both of these sides have a lot to fight for, but I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think both of them are going to finish in the top seven. It's a bold statement, bold statement. Uh, although, uh, you know, I, I do believe, you know, like you said. It's better to have points on the board than have games in hand because those games in hand are never going to guarantee you to have those extra points. But crew have been unstoppable. I mean, look, they're unbeaten so far in 2024. I know we're not even a month through, but still quite a good stat to be going on. But both teams look absolutely uh, unstoppable. Which yesterday, unfortunately, uh, Barrow just didn't have any answers for crew. But after that game finished, uh, Barrow are currently in fifth place and crew are in fourth. Now, we're going to move on to our next game. This was Gillingham versus Forest Green Rovers. Now, on a Saturday at the Priestfield Stadium, Gillingham faced a Forest Green Rovers side who are currently managerless. Now, Gillingham, who were in eighth going into the game, were striving for a spot in the playoffs, trading sixth place Norris County by just two points. Their recent form included three wins and two losses, including a standout 2-1 comeback victory against Accrington Stanley last weekend. On the other hand, man managerless Forest Green Rovers are battling to move up from the bottom of the table. Their recent performances have yielded two draws and three losses, making this a crucial fixture for the campaign. Now, in their previous meeting, the teams drew 0-0, highlighting both their defensive strengths, but also 
their uh, weaknesses going forward. Now, this weekend's rematch promised to be a compelling encounter with significant implications for both sides. And after the referee blew his whistle, after 97 minutes, I was there, it finished Gillingham 1, Forest Green Rovers 1. Um, first thing I will say is it definitely should have been 2-1 because Gillingham had a goal ruled out for offside. It wasn't offside. Where was VAR? Unfortunately, League 2 don't have it. Um, Kyle, did you have a chance to watch the game back at all? Yeah, yeah, I've had a quick watch back of it. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of have to start um, with, with Troy Deeney, really. I mean, I'll briefly mention it now and probably speak about it later on, but that's that's the main point you go from this to start with. They've they've had a a, a bizarre week, uh, it's safe to say, with with him leaving after only six games and the off-field trouble that they've had. But to take a point against Gillingham, you have to credit him. Um, as you say about the disallowed goal, <laughs> they probably probably don't deserve to take a point, but when you when you're twenty third in the league, you take what you can get. Um, yeah, it's a that's a really good point for them, and it gives them a gives them a chance to kind of go away from the media attention a bit and start start to go under the radar again, and hopefully hopefully for them build on that point and and yeah hopefully uh, start moving up the table. I mean, it, it was, uh, look, obviously, I, I was lucky enough to to go there yesterday. Uh, I, I go to as many Jules home games, uh, uh, obviously, as I can, and, and away games. And um, when Jules went 1-0 up, uh, I don't think even any Forest Green Rovers uh, fans would say, you know, we were deservedly going uh, going in 1-0 up. Uh, uh, sorry, when we scored in the 67th minute, Ollie Hawkins, a towering header. Um, we definitely deserve that. But... Thing with Gillingham Football Club is generally speaking, when we go one nil uh, up, we're pretty good at shutting up shop. And yesterday, Forest Green Rovers decided to turn the tables on that, and uh, you know they really came at us after we they went one nil down. And I'll be honest, once they scored their their equaliser, I thought if any team was going to go on to win this game yesterday, it was going to be Forest Green Rovers. I mean, it was an excellent goal uh, that uh, was it Jones, uh, I believe, scored for Forest Green Rovers. Um, from a Gillingham point of view, it was a very poor attempted tackle by Shadoji out on the right-hand side. He should have stayed up, but he tried to dive in to, to clear the ball, um, which unfortunately left uh, McAllister uh, get the ball, run into the box completely uh, on his own, square the ball to Jones, who, who I'll be honest, put a beautiful, beautiful shot into the top right-hand corner. Jake Turner had absolutely no chance. But after that, it really looked like, I mean, if you were to look at any of these teams, I'd be honest, Gillingham looked like the team that were near the bottom of the league and Forest Green Rovers looked like the team that were playing near the top of the league, Charlie. Well, absolutely. Um, and look, as a Gillingham fan, Matt, how many times have you said that this season <laughs> in games that you've faced? It is obviously just a bit of an unfortunate one in that. Um, but look, Forest Green, they were very good value for for the equaliser after you, know, you, you guys went ahead in that match. Uh, but like I say, I think Gillingham all at the same time should should and you would have very much expected Gillingham to just do a lot better with that. Um, and obviously that offside goal definitely, definitely offside. You definitely shouldn't have had the goal. What? Uh, Hang on, no. Hundred percent <laughs> onside. Onside. Hundred <laughs> percent. 
thought, I thought I'd get a little bite for that one. Uh, <laughs> nah, look. No. Um, it's, it's a really difficult one, this one, because obviously both, both teams, for, Forest Green, it, it's marred by the midweek um, sort of off the field issues. We, we know that. Gillingham as well. Gillingham at home, look, the Jills have always had a really, really good run in the new year, haven't you? You know, you you are yourselves unbeaten in the new year in, in the league, anyway. Um, but had to throw that one in there, didn't you? Yeah, thanks. Obviously, that, yeah. obviously. Oh, and we we only but, lost to Sheffield United in the uh, FA Cup. Well, this well, you still lost. Lincoln didn't lose to Sheffield United. Just <laughs> saying. Um, so, <laughs> but no, look. The thing is with with Gillingham, you you put together a really good run. Fantastic, but you're now sat in eighth place. Brilliant, you're knocking on the doors of the playoffs. This is fantastic. This is exactly where you want to be. That's exactly where some people put you at the start of the season. Great, however, when you look at the gaps, if you'd have only got four points from the last four matches, you know, where you've got where you've got on beacon and picked up 10 points, let's just say hypothetically you'd only picked up four, you'd be sat down in 15th. So the difference between only a couple of matches is the, is the difference between you know 15th, 16th, 17th, and eighth in this sense, or, or even seventh with MK Dons being on the same amount of points as you guys. So what you've got to be really kind of careful of it, as Gillingham and Vandal when you're looking at this league table is can you maintain this run going forward? Can you continue to have playoff form rather than just have a good run at the minute, which is fantastic? But is that then elevating your place in the league higher to where it's going to end up being? And then you've got to look at the January transfer window as a part of that. Of course you have. So if you're if you're now trying to bring in players in this January transfer window, sat in eighth place in League Two is a heck of a looks a heck of a lot better to a prospective new striker, for example, than 15th place. Could help you bring in somebody like a Johnson Clark Harris, you know. So those are the things. This is a great time to be on this sort of run going into the new year. It can really build confidence, especially going into sort of January transfer deadline day, um, obviously in a couple of weeks and this sort of thing. But has to make sure that Gillingham maintain it. And obviously Forest Green, well, they just need any points that they can, can't they? Yes, they do. I mean, uh, look, I will say uh, you mentioned about Gillingham's transfer business. I know we're going to have a little chat about transfers later on, but uh, they did bring in uh, Romero Hutton from uh, Swindon. Uh, he signed on, uh, was it Wednesday or Thursday? Um, Got to say, you know, I, I was pretty impressed with him going forward yesterday. Uh, defensively, probably, you know, not so much, but it, it is offensively that Jules need that work and when you've got a player who I think he was 50 odd plus crosses, you know, he, he's put in uh, during the 2023 year. Um, that's got to be pretty good. Gillingham were literally down the bottom in terms of crosses into the box. So that's definitely helped. And like you said, you know, being in eighth, better than being obviously down, lower down the league, we are more likely to potentially get uh, hopefully a goal scoring. Should uh, we, well, we definitely do need one. But look, after that uh, game finishing one all yesterday, that leaves Gillingham in eighth and Forest Green are in 23rd. So we're going to move on to our third game of the day. This was MK Dons versus Morecambe. And MK Dons welcomed Morecambe to the stadium, uh, uh, sorry, to Stadium NK on Saturday. The hosts, seventh in League Two, uh, with 42 points going into the game, achieved a 3-1 win over Morecambe just a few weeks back, whilst Morecambe, who were 16th in the league with 34 points, had a 2-2 draw against Harrogate last time out. 
NK Dons have historically dominated this matchup, winning eight out of their 10 games that they've played between each other. There were also some very key players missing for both teams with Mike Williamson, uh, without Matthew Dennis and Jake Tucker, and Jed Brannan, uh, with Stuart Moore, uh, Donald Love and McKernan unavailable for this weekend's match for Morecambe. After the referee blew his final whistle, the scoreline ended. Milton Keynes Dons won, Morecambe too. Uh, it was a highly, highly uh, fun game to watch, guys. I don't know if you believe. I thought this was actually probably, uh, you know, from a neutral's point of view, probably one of the games of the day yesterday. I just thought it was end to end. There was lots of um, uh, sort of lots of close chances, and I, I generally got to say, I think Morecambe definitely deserved to walk away with three points. What do you think? Absolutely, um, Morecambe. Morecambe were better in terms of taking their chances. But at the same time, I think MK Dons are going to be really, really disappointed, not just because of the league position of both sides, but also the way that the game unfolded because they had their opportunities themselves. Um, but Archie Mayer in goal for uh, Morecambe was absolutely fantastic yesterday. We know what his capabilities are like. Obviously, everybody at team would have watched uh, his penalty shootout heroics for Notts County last season. But... Philip Marshall, who was making his MK Dons debut in goal for them, did not have a game to remember. Now, MK Dons um, lost Craig McGillivray in the um, in midweek as he went on loan to Stevenage in the league above. Now, it now means that because they brought in Philip Marshall, who has who, on loan from Aston Villa, he was, was obviously at Gateshead with uh, Williamson. They've now got two goalkeepers who have a combined two EFL professional matches. It's really, really worrying when there's a stat like that and they're fighting for playoffs going going into sort of the end of the season. But I just want to talk about sort of the game as well. Max Dean. Now, when he first signed for MK Dons, I was I was really kind of impressed. And I thought this would be a brilliant signing for them. He failed to to really kick on immediately, but he seems to be playing at his best at the minute. And that f that that well, I say effort it wasn't an effort because it went in. It was just oh, superb. It was fantastic. Oh, it, it was oh, what a strike it was! <clears throat> I mean, it really he, he literally gave himself that half half a yard of space. And just to get the whip on it and curl it around the, the, the goalkeeper like that. Um, although I just got to quickly say, I've noticed since Mike Williamson has come in, uh, Dean, has, has, his game, his performance has just oh, gone up that extra level. Absolutely. It very much has. And, you know, sometimes that just does happen. And he's a player that you can tell likes to play Mike Williamson football. Uh, and, you know, Mike Williamson likes Max Dean playing his football as well. He's getting the minutes. He's, he's, his form is being put in the youngster. And uh, he's rewarding that faith with goals, which is brilliant. But obviously, as, as you've mentioned, they didn't hold on to it. Um, I've already mentioned the rather disappointing debut for Philip Marshall when he, um, well, he, he, he just missed the corner, didn't he? And uh, Jordan Slew managed to get the equaliser. And then it was another debutant in Lewis Bate, who, for the record, like midweek, I thought it was a fantastic signing for MK Dons when they brought in Lewis Bate on loan for the rest of the season. 
Blade then unfortunately slipped and uh, Charlie Brown managed to score past his former club to get the 2-1 victory and, you know, really, really disappointed for MK Dons all round. But Morecambe definitely deserved something out of the game, uh, but MK Dons will also jointly be very disappointed. And now it's on to AFC Wimbledon at home for their midweek. I'm, I'm going to that game and I cannot wait for that now. Yeah, Carl. Well, as as Charlie mentioned, obviously the you know their goalkeepers, none of them have really got any kind of real league to uh, any real league experience. And um, I, I don't know if you've seen that first Morecambe goal, but it it kind of seems that kind of rush of blood from a goalkeeper thinking, oh, this is my moment to you know to make a big save and, and come out and get the ball and and he just flattered it and he completely missed it. And you know, it, it, obviously, I. I, I I don't know if you've ever played professional football at all, but, um, you know, how hard is it going to be for him, you know, do you think, just to kind of forget this, wipe it off and, and move on? Yeah, he's got a really difficult job to to pick himself up after that. Um, it happens just for it to happen on debut is is really disappointing for him. And, yeah, obviously it's really disappointing for MK Dons. He's just come in and for that to happen straight away, yeah, he's he's going to be disappointed with himself, but he's got to pick himself back up. And whether he does play again Tuesday, as you say, in that huge game against uh, AFC Wimbledon, will be will be interesting to see. Uh, similarly, Lewis Bate, as you said, um, with his slip late in the game, they're just they're going to have to deal with it and hope that hope they can get back back to winning ways. Um, you say they both. Both you and uh, both MK Dons and Gillingham both missed chances this weekend to to move up the table, particularly with with all the games being called off. They obviously you both sit in seventh and eighth. Uh, you Gillingham sit in eighth spot. MK Dons in seventh. So there's yeah, there's got to be a lot of disappointment there, and yeah, particularly for MK Dons after after both their mistakes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's their first, you know, one of his first games in the league. Mistakes are going to happen. League two football, you kind of have to expect it. But yeah, let's hope he can just dust himself down, forget about it, move on. And hopefully on Tuesday night, have a better game for himself. But after that, uh, that 2-1 win by Morecambe yesterday, that leaves MK Dons in seventh place and Morecambe are currently in 13th. Now, obviously, there was only four games yesterday, so we're down to our last game. Uh, this was Newport County versus Wrexham. Now, fresh from setting up a fourth round FA Cup tie with Manchester United, Newport County seek to disrupt Rex sorry, disrupt Wrexham's League Two title aspirations during Saturday's clash at Rodney Parade. Newport had an unbeaten streak in the league, with none of their last four matches ending in defeat. They are only eight points below the final postseason position, with a 15-point buffer to the drop zone. Wrexham remained at risk of being usurped by Mansfield Town and have exceptional uh, sorry have and sorry and their exceptional home winning streak has not always translated into success on the road. They have also sorry, been defeated in each of their last three trips to Newport. So cue the game and the referee with his final whistle blowing up to Newport County 1, Wrexham nil. And for me, the biggest talking point about this game yesterday happened in the 18th minute when uh, Boyle was shown a straight red card for a tackle, which 
on, I've got to say, on first look, my first initial reaction was, that is a red card offence. And on my second look, I kind of thought, actually, I don't think he makes contact with the player at all. Guys, first off, did you see it? Uh, what was your idea on? Was it a red? What do you think? I'll be honest. I did think it was a red. Um, but he, the fact, like, we, we slight referees all the time, right? And... I'm more than happy to slate a referee, trust me. But if we're sat on here having to debate it, then for me, the referee made the correct decision because either way, whichever decision he made there was the correct decision because it's contentious. So referee was obviously brave enough to do it, fair play, gave the red. For me, it was a red, studs up, can't do that, lunging in. I thought he made contact, but it's... It is, it is definitely up for debate. I, I get that. Um, but then, you know, the referee's only got one quick second decision. He can't then debate it on the pitch with the players or his uh, fourth officials. I mean, yeah, I mean, the referee was, what, like five, ten yards away from me. And as I said, like, you know, uh, my, my first initial reaction when I very first saw it was that is 100% a red card. But I said, when I looked at it for the second time, it... it I don't think at one point you know, a Wrexham player kind of just comes in front of the camera and so it comes it comes in front of the uh, player just as he makes the tackle. Mm. But to me, it kind of looks like he he makes contact with the ball. That's why I was a bit, you know, uh, wanted to sort of throw this out there. But to be honest, you know, whether you're playing against 11 men, whether you're playing against 10 men, you still have to go on and, and try and win the game. And and to be honest, Newport yesterday, I thought they were absolutely, uh, you know, deserved winners yesterday. It was a, a cracking goal for them to to go one nil up. Um, uh, oh, sorry, I've got the gents. Is it Palmer? Oh, uh, Holden, Holden, mm -hmm. uh, in the 34th minute. Um, and then the thing is that they, you know, playing against ten men is always going to be difficult, but. The one thing I thought Newport did absolutely excellently yesterday was they stopped Wrexham in that final third. And I think it was four shots. They limited them to four shots with only one on target the whole game. Uh, and that is something that I thought Newport did absolutely excellently yesterday, just stopping Wrexham getting in anything in that final third. Yeah, they were, they were certainly the better team yesterday. Just, just going back to the red card. Um, having watched it, I mean, yeah, as you both already said, we can slate referees, but he's got he's got absolutely no chance. You see that tackle go in, you're gonna give a red from from the position he is. I I can't without without wanting to put VAR in League Two. I don't think you're ever going to ever going to get a decision. So no no so we need we needed VAR yesterday at Gillingham, <laughs> but apart from that, we don't want it in League Two. <laughs> That's Why would you need VAR when your goal was clearly offside, Matt? Honestly, it was hundred. It was offside. <laughs> it was right, right. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got to say though, look, I understand. I understand referees and linesmen, uh, especially in the lower leagues, they're always going to have this, uh, you know, contentiousness of do we need VAR? Do we not? Actually, all jokes aside, for me, football is better without VAR. 100%. As I said oh, earlier, definitely. watching watching Sheffield United versus West Ham is it is such a relief when you watch when you watch lower league games and you can you can celebrate goals and you don't have to wait two three minutes and you don't get fifteen minutes added time when you're only meant to have six minutes. It is it is so much better to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, 
so uh you know look don't, don't get me wrong as much as you know var in in you know will help uh you know sort of get some of these contentious decisions uh and wipe them out sometimes you know even when they'll they'll say oh this goal was offside you're always going to get people talking about it i'd rather it just be down to the referee if the referee says it's offside oh well never mind move on let's stop this you know three four minutes of going to var waiting for them to decide whether it was a goal or not uh but look you know that's just my uh, two cents uh after though that one nil win by newport yesterday Wrexham are still currently sat in second place and Newport are in 14th. Guys, it's time to go and have a cup of tea or coffee and we will see you in a moment. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now, back to the podcast. Away days are great, especially when your striker bag's a last-minute winner, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back. I hope you're all refreshed just like I am. We are now going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about transfers in League 2 so far. So... Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of teams in particular. We've got, uh, I'm going to talk about Gillingham. Uh, Carl's going to come on and talk about Notts County. Uh, and yeah, just to have a bit of chat what they're uh, looking to do this January. Now, uh, obviously so far, Gillingham Football Club, we're going to start with them. Uh, we've only made uh, one signing so far incoming and one signing outgoing. The outgoing was a player called Lewis Walker. Uh, he, Some of you may re- recognise the surname. His father, uh, I believe, was Des Walker. He used to play for Tottenham uh, back in the day. Uh, we signed him from Como uh, a couple of years back. Unfortunately, he had a couple of injuries. He's now left and gone to Woking in the National League. Definitely a player that I believe will go out there and score some goals. Uh, but the only incoming so far for Gillingham Football Club is Romeo Hutton from uh, Swindon. Uh, we've managed to bag. I believe he was actually on his way to, uh, I believe it was, um, might have been Stockport. Uh, and somehow we've managed to bag him. If you haven't had a chance, go on to Jules X feed, Twitter feed, whatever you want to call it nowadays. And please watch the signing uh, video of uh, Romario Hutton. Uh, ultimate shithousery there from Gillingham Football Club. Um, if you don't know what Gillingham did in uh, in the summer transfer window, we managed to take Johnny Williams from Bradford under their nose. It looks like we've done exactly the same with Romero Hutton. Uh, his debut yesterday, absolutely. I thought he was brilliant going forward yesterday. Defensively, he definitely does need some work done. But 
that's not Gillingham's biggest issue, I believe, at the moment. I believe, uh, as a obviously, you know, going to see them every week, the one thing that Gillingham Football Club are missing out on if they want to become uh, promotion potential, uh, potential, so promotion contenders or even playoff, con uh, uh, pro uh, automatic promotion contenders, is a striker, somebody that's going to bag them a load of goals. Now, there's been a little bit of news coming out recently about Johnson Clark-Harris, potentially uh, Gillingham being interested in him. There's been another few names uh, floating around. There was a Rotherham sh uh, striker that's been floating around, a name that popped up. Look, as, as much as you know, some of these names are, are brilliant names that are out there at the moment, for me, the the... My thinking is Gillingham actually needs to be thinking more along the lines of a uh, slightly younger forward. Now, I like the idea of somebody like Jake Young from Bradford, 22 years old. Uh, look, he's already scored, was it 16 goals so far for Swindon? Bradford, we called him uh, for whatever reason. He's been injured uh, recently, uh, so he's not had a chance to come out and play for them. But if Gillingham Football Club really want to be what I would call yeah, proper title defenders, as much as somebody like a Johnson Clark Harris would be great, what you're going to be looking at is somebody that's going to come in, uh, demand an extremely high wage. Uh, yes, we know he can find the back of the net, but you might only get him for a year or two, where a younger striker like, for instance, Jake Young, at 22, you're going to have for three, four, five years. Look, Charlie, I don't know uh, what you think in terms of striker uh, for Gillingham. I mean... The, the three main areas Gillingham need are centre-back cover, a box-to-box pacey midfielder that's, you know, going to give you... I don't know if you remember an ex-Gillingham player called Stuart O'Keefe, but that kind of tenacity, that kind of real, almost uh, controlled aggression. But the main thing Gillingham need right now, if, if you were to forget about that, is a striker. So any kind of striker that you would think that might kind of fit the Gillingham uh, ethos there? So, what about bringing in a loan in Joven Makama from? Um, I, I wouldn't actually um, sort of predict that one at all. But in terms where, of where, where, where I pay ninety percent of his wages, uh, yeah, is that, is that all right? Yeah, or you pay ninety percent, we'll pay ten. Yeah, yeah. If you ask some of our fans, people would say that they would give you him for free. To get him out of the door some people well aren't quite that harsh um so it's very much split on that one uh, no not in terms of a striker for, for Gillingham it, it's a really difficult one and what I think you should do isn't the way that I actually expect you to do it I expect you actually to go out and, and get somebody like a Johnson Clark Harris not necessarily him but someone who's that little bit older a bit more experienced Oh, a bit more experience of putting balls in the back of the net, either in League Two or the leagues around. Pay a little bit of a higher wage, break the wage structure or whatever to bring him in. Pay a good transfer fee, potentially even break your transfer record to bring in a striker like that. That's what I think you're going to do. So what I think you should do is exactly what you've said. You need to be bringing in somebody young. Now, we, we've, we've already mentioned, for example, Max Dean at MK Dons. Yes, all right, it wasn't an immediate sort of great start for him and I understand that's what you guys need at the minute but if you're bringing in a younger striker you've not only got the ability to watch them improve week in week out you've also got the ability to sell them on in the future every single EFL club loses money being able to be sustainable is all about developing young talent and being able to sell them on or climb the leads with them you want a player that you're bringing in now that's league two level and then if you end up getting promoted either this season or next, 
will then be able to take the step up because the last thing you want is to do an all, a squad overhaul going into League One, you know, and that's what your ambition is. So I think you should be bringing in somebody young, but I don't expect that to happen. I actually expect you guys to do the more experienced, typical name number nine sort of lower end of the English football pyramid. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And um, look, Jules, ha- uh, Carl, Jules have been uh, interested. So the, the Rotherham striker we were, I was talking about a minute ago was uh, Georgie Kelly. Um, so he's come, he's come across from the uh, League of Ireland, uh, 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 sorry, t- t- the League of Ireland uh, Football League, uh, where he was, I think, literally bagging a goal every other game or, or something stupid like that. Um, I know he's gone to Rotherham. He's not played as many games as probably he would have liked. I think he's played like 15 games this season. I think it is, or maybe scored one goal so far. Uh, and and there's been rumours about a, a player potentially of, of Georgie Kelly's kind of stature coming over. But again, do you think potentially from a Gillingham point of view, would you think go more down the youth route, uh, go for somebody slightly younger that they could potentially build up? Or would you think, no, let's get in somebody a little bit more experienced that's actually, you know, guaranteed to get these goals for us? Uh, it's really difficult to say because, yeah, you are in a position where, where you need goals immediately. And if you do get a young striker in, the chances of that happening aren't so great. But as, as Charlie mentioned, you... If you are in a position where you do end up going up this se- uh, where you do get promoted this season, you want a squad that will compete in League One, and that's that's the big step. A lot of time when when clubs come up, I know you have it yourself. When clubs come up from the National League to League Two, the step up is fairly easy to make. From League Two to League One, the further, up, in fairness, the further up you go in the pyramid, the step up is much more difficult. So, I'm going to say. I'm going to say younger as well. Someone, to be fair, if, you, if 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 there was a possibility you could get a Georgie Kelly, that would be uh, magnificent. I mean, it's I don't know whether he's available on loan. To be honest, he's yeah, he'll really struggle for game time. They've got uh, Sam Nombe, uh, Joe, uh, Jordan Hugel at Rotherham. So yeah, he he definitely needs game time. Whether whether he'll drop. Uh, down to League Two is a different question. As you say, he's made eight. I think he's made eighteen league appearances this season. So, yeah, eighteen matches. Are, been going. Eighteen games, one goal so far this year. Uh, Twenty nine games last year, four goals. Uh, but then when you look at his like League of Ireland stats, uh, 31 matches, twenty one goals. Um, for Bohemians, St. Patrick's Athletic, 12 games, three goals. I mean, he, he's he's definitely somebody who knows where the back of the net is. Uh, but again, my, my argument would always come back to, like, like I said earlier, I think we want to be more investing in kind of the youth. And this is why I like the idea of... Um, of getting in somebody uh, like like the Jake Youngs of, of uh, you know, sort of Bradford. Yes, 22 years old. But, you know, look, he scored 16 goals already this season. So clearly he knows where the back of the net is and he's done it against teams that are currently playing in this league. So, you know, where, don't get me wrong, a Johnson, Clark, Harris, we all know would probably come down into League Two and do a really good trick. If you're going to be paying double the amount in terms of wages that you would be paying to somebody who's slightly younger that still knows where the back of the net is, you know, you could get two players for that amount of money. So, look, Gillingham, we all know Gillingham's biggest issue has been for the last couple of years is finding the back of the net. Whoever it is, a goal scorer is a must if Gillingham want to become any kind of contender this year. 
But look, that's enough about Gillingham. We're going to move on to our next team. This was Notts County. So, Carl, I'm going to throw this one over to you. Well, if you look at Notts County from a completely neutral perspective, you would say you don't want them to improve their defence because they've been a joy to watch all season. And you'd also say you want them to keep hold of Macaulay Langstaff. The chances of Langstaff staying, it's difficult to say. I mean, if someone came in for with a big money offer, particularly you're looking... Uh, top end of League One, lower lower uh, end of the Championship, then he would probably leave. I mean, they've got they've got three players who have scored who are in double digits for goals this season. Uh, David McGoldrick, obviously, there's no chance he leaves after he's joined in the summer. But their defensive record has been really really poor this season. They've conceded 52. Um, only Sutton, Swindon, and Colchester have conceded more. So that's certainly where they've got to be looking this January. Um, they've already bought in Luca Ashby Hammond. He was at Crawley in the first half of the season. He's on loan from Fulham. So he'll be looking, as all Premier League clubs do when they send players out on loan, he'll be looking for game time. And there's potential there that he replaces Aidan Stone. Obviously, he didn't get a look at um, in this weekend with their game against Stockport being called off. But there's a good chance that he comes in. Um, and then, yeah, you kind of look in at your defence. The, the three they started with against Grimsby in that ridiculous 5-5 draw. Uh, Rollinson, Baldwin and Cameron, they're all players that, that were there last season. And I know I mentioned about um, the step up being not relatively easy, but the step up is uh, is what a lot of players make and a lot of teams do well after coming up from the National League. But they've they've really got to address address that defensive record. Um, as I said, at the other end of the pitch, keeping old McCauley Langstaff is an absolute must. If if they're going to be anywhere near even even the playoff places uh, this season and if they lost him, that'd be a massive, massive blow. Um, it'll be interesting as well. Obviously, Stuart Maynard's just taken over there from, from Wilston. So, he has the best part of a good week and a half to uh to make signings so yeah it's definitely interesting to see see what happens and it's it's all about further up the pyramid and isn't it seeing seeing who moves first um if one of the clubs in league one looked at or as i said or in the championship looked to take macaulay langstaff then obviously Notts county are going to be pushed into into making a new a new signing up top otherwise yeah they are they're really going to struggle in the second half of the season yeah, there obviously there's lots of clubs being in for uh, you know inquiring about Macaulay Longstaff. I believe there was um, uh, was it Sunderland were one of them, Derby County. But the one that got me, and I'm 99 sure I could not see this happening, was uh, Wrexham was supposedly in for for Langstaff. Um, now, uh, Charlie, I'm going to ask you uh, if you are Notts County's chairman and Wrexham chucking a bid for Langstaff, what's your response? Well, it would have to be a heck of a lot bigger than any of the other bids, let's say that. And by a heck of a lot bigger, I probably mean another zero on the end of it. I mean, <laughs> Wrexham and Notts County have this kind of, this weird competitive rivalry that sort of stemmed from, from last season, haven't they? Um, and Notts County fans, if they were to sell Macaulay Langstaff to, to Wrexham, well, I, I'm based in Nottingham. And I could probably see the fire of Meadow Lane from my flat, the other side of Nottingham, if that were to happen. That's all I'll say. Um, 
So yeah, look, it's not it's not going to happen. If he's going to move, it's going to be to make the step up. Um, Notts County are in a bit of a, an odd place because I, I guess Macaulay Langstaff is going to have hoped that automatics were looking a lot more likely in a way than what they currently are for Notts County. Um, so he may want to move in the fear that Notts County don't get promoted this season, which is probably what I would expect his kind of thinking to be, which I understand it. So the move does happen. Notts County just need to make sure that it isn't too late on in the window. Uh, look, I'm going to ask just shut this out. Longstaff has obviously had a uh, Langstaff has had a quite a, you know obviously an interesting career. Obviously, you moved to Notts County, and that's where things really started happening to him. But I've got to ask, do you generally believe if he was to go to a League One team, to a championship team, that he could really kick on and, and his career would continue to flourish like it has? It's it's difficult to say, but if you're a goal scorer, you can do it in any league. It's the other stuff around that, the general play, your off the ball ability, those sorts of things, is he going to be able to handle the step up and, and the step up in major physicality? Like you know, like Kyle's already said, League Two to League One is a much bigger step up, and it's going to be difficult for him, of course, if he were to make that move. But being able to put the ball in the back of the net, you can if you can do that in League Two, you can do it in the Premier League. Then it's about finding the positions and that sort of thing. Um, so. The, the real answer is, Matt, I don't know. But I'd like to think that he's going to be able to. Um, look, he's a quality striker. Uh, and, yeah, I, I kind of feel that he could uh, go on and do a, do a good trick uh, in, in a higher league. But, obviously, until he's gone, how do you know? Well, that's uh, our little review done then on Notts County. Uh, Charlie, I'm going to chuck it over to you to talk us through some of the top signings you believe that have happened uh, so far this window. Yeah, um, obviously you guys have, have both picked out two teams that we expect to make a good bit of transfers, a, a good few transfers both in and out this January transfer window. But I just wanted to pick up on one or two signings that have actually already happened. Now, for regular listeners of the podcast, um, Freddie Draper is a player that has quite often come up. Normally, Matt's asking me whether or not he's better than Messi. And obviously, I have to say yes. Um, but Freddie Draper was recalled by Lincoln City from his loan spell at Warsaw. Um, well, quite early in this January transfer window. Um, I, originally, from what I can gather, he was going to be given the game at Southampton in the FA Cup. But due to his knock that he got against Grimsby on New Year's Day, Lincoln decided to recall him a little bit earlier just to make sure that he was obviously fit for his parent club. But Warsaw then had a bit of a problem because although Warsaw were in no way a one-man team, losing the goals of Freddie Draper was always going to be a struggle for Matt Sadler's side. And, you know, they were on a really, really good run. So, yeah, Warsaw had to replace Freddie Draper's goals. Of course they did. And what they've done is they've brought in a player who's already spent the first half of this season out on loan. But he wasn't playing for Walsall. Instead, he was playing for Doncaster Rovers. And that is Mo Fahl, a very, very good striker in my eyes. Now, I did a Lincoln City podcast um, at the start of this January transfer window. And we were talking about maybe one or two of the strikers that we brought in. Obviously, we ended up bringing in Joe Taylor, who was on loan at Colchester for the first half of the season. 
And I actually said I wouldn't have minded too much bringing in Mo Farl from Doncaster, obviously from West Brom on loan, uh, but has spent the first half of the season at Doncaster. Now, his goal-scoring tally may not have been the same as you know Joe Taylor or, or Freddie Draper's necessarily, but also Doncaster's goal-scoring tally as a whole isn't as good. He is a, a, a tall striker similar to Freddie Draper, a very similar build. He's got the physicality to fight off defenders in this division. And he knows where the back of the net is. I think Walsall being able to bring him in is an absolutely fantastic signing. And one that I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how he does for them for the rest of this season. And, you know, is there any chance that they could push themselves a little bit further up the table? You know, they, they've had some really good runs recently after it looked like Matt, Matt Sadler was uh, going to be on the chopping block, realistically. But three wins over the Christmas period, thats uh, that was great for them. Unfortunately, they, they did lose last weekend against Stockport. Hardly surprising. They're the league leaders. And their game this weekend uh, against, I want to say it was Accrington, uh, was postponed. Now, again, next week is huge for them. They want to make sure that they can carry on this goal-scoring form. But actually, this being in the middle of the January transfer window and this having this kind of little break at the minute, it's again really, really useful for Warsaw. Um Bringing in Mofal, I think, is a fantastic signing. And I could potentially see them kicking on if they could make one or two more shrewd deals like that. Honestly, he he is such a great signing. I Obviously, uh, Doncaster, I thought he was a, a, a cracking player. I, I even joked and said, you know, I'd love to see him at Jill's, although the chances of that happening is was going to be zero. I'd always expected him to, to go to a, a slightly other team. But I think Walsall have got one hell of a player there. Look, he is no Freddie Draper. But I do think he'll bang in some goals for you up there. Um, yeah, look, I mean, he he'll be in West Brom's first team next year. I'm I'm pretty confident that that's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, what what a player he is! Absolutely, um, and, and like I say, I very much agree in terms of Freddie Draper coming back to us. Is exactly what we we needed, and he's already shown it in the first two matches he's played for us so far. Um, Obviously not his first two matches for the club because he has played minutes for us before his loan spells. Um, but yeah, I think this is it, it's fantastic. And, and again, Warsaw have replaced him really. As, as much as you can't replace the absolutely incredible Freddie Draper and he's the best striker in that League Two's ever seen in all this, um, they have replaced him with, for me, the best next the next best option that they could have gone for. Um, so some really shrewd business by them. Yeah, it absolutely was. Um I tell you, I'm just going to chuck one out there because there was a there was a signing that made uh, what six days ago uh, by Barrow uh, on loan. Who again? I think this was a really astute piece of business. But um, Barrow brought in Cole Stockton from Burton on loan till mm. the end of the season. Mm. I think that's a really, really bit of, uh, good bit of business done by Pete Warren Barrow there. I agree. Um, I think it's the sort of it's a sort of signing that first of all makes you kind of sit up. And take notice of, of Barrow making a sign like that. But what it also does is it, it just adds something that you know Barrow don't necessarily have so far. You know their highest goal scorer is Ben Whitfield on seven. They don't necessarily have a striker that's going to be able to bag fifteen to twenty goals a season. Bringing in Cole Stockton for the second half of the season is exactly that. He's going to be able to be sort of the poacher in the area, that sort of thing. Be able to get on the end of loose balls. Be able to get beat his, the defenders in the air. That You know, all, all of these sorts of things that, although Barrow was still being able to win games and have good performances without, 
think this is absolutely huge for Barrow, um, and it could just help them push help push them over the line into those playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he's not had obviously at Burson this year. He's not had the uh, the greatest uh, of seasons so far. I think he's played fourteen games in total for them, uh, scored one goal. Um, but Carl, do, do you really believe that you know he can come back and re- and sort of recoup that form that he had when he was playing for Morecambe a couple of years ago? Yeah, I certainly think so. I mean, he's done it at League One level before, so you'd hope that he'd be able to to go back down into League Two and and perform as well as he has. Yeah, he, he has certainly struggled for Burton this season, so there's no getting away from that. But it's it's the kind of move that you look and think that's ideal for him to, to pick his career back up. And if he goes there and helps Bow get promoted, then I'm not being funny, there's potential that they go and they go and spend a bit of money and get him in the summer. I mean, I don't know how much they've got available to spend. I mean, he's I couldn't believe when I saw his hour, I thought he was older than 29. He seems like he's been around for a while. Yeah. But yeah, he he's just got to kind of find yeah, he's got to find the form that he had at Morecambe. You you hoping that he's not the player that that was really suited to, to how Morecambe were and then now that he's gone away with Burton has not found that form. So yeah, that's certainly certainly moved to uh, to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this. So, it, what was it? 80, uh, sorry, let me just quickly work this out. 83 games he played for Morecambe uh, between 2022 and, sorry, uh, sorry between 2021 and 2023. Uh, and he scored 34 goals for them. So, yeah, it's pretty much sort of a goal every, you know, sort of couple of games, which is not bad stats. And then obviously he's gone to Burton uh, this year, 14 games, only one goal. So, something's obviously not working for him there. But, Let's hope he can come back to Barrow and potentially put in a good stint for them. Uh, Charlie, have you got any more names you want to chuck at us? Well, not necessarily in terms of players that are going to be, um, that have already moved, but actually just a couple of clubs now. Now, we've spoken about, obviously, certain players that have moved and you guys have each picked a team as well in terms of talking about some of their transfer business. But I think these this is a massive January transfer window for a couple of clubs. Now, MK Don's, First of all, obviously seem to be targeting some uh, Gateshead players and former Gateshead players as well. Wouldn't surprise me to see one or two more of those come in there. Uh, and then looking a little bit further down the table, I think AFC Wimbledon as well. Now, they've already made some moves in this January transfer window, including bringing in Ronan Curtis, which I think is a fantastic move for them uh, that they made in midweek. And, you know, with Alpha Maddy and Omar Bugiel both being out in for their rep, rep, respective, that's the word I'm looking for, for their respective international sides at the minute, uh, you know, they, they're good, they needed some kind of attacking goal-scoring power still. And I think that's what they've been able to bring in. And if Ronan Curtis can stay fit, again, that could help push them over the line into the playoffs. God, we, we, need, we need a 20-team playoff at this rate. <laughs> um, also, you know, Tranmere Rovers seem to have very much picked themselves out. So I don't think it's pulled themselves out of a relegation battle so far. So I don't think it's anywhere near as big of a transfer window for them as it may have been. Swindon Town, we know we know about Swindon Town in terms of their transfer window. How it started in terms of losing Jake Young and Dan Kemp on the 2nd of January. In fact, one of them was even the 1st of January, wasn't it? Straight after the game. So, of course, they are going to need to try and replace some of that firepower and some of that attacking creativity. Um, Grimsby, 
another side that are going to want to pick, make a couple of additions down near the bottom to pull themselves out. And Colchester United. Now, Colchester have obviously brought in the Cowley brothers. They're going to want to bring in a couple of players themselves. Now, I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to sign Joe Morrell and Sean Raggett like they'd like to, or maybe even Harry Toffolo wouldn't be willing to drop down to League Two level, level either. But they're going to want to bring in a couple of players of their own. And maybe you see them bringing in just that little, just that little bit of experience with them as well, just to pull them up into the away from the relegation battle. One thing I actually I do want to say with Colchester United, actually, I I think they've they've actually made a really really good underrated signing that not many people are going to realise. Um, and, and I know the player pretty well because he used to play for Gillingham, but that's Connor, Connor Wilkinson. Uh, they signed him from Motherwell. Um, Honestly, he is a really, really good League Two striker. He's not going to guarantee, you know, put you 20 goals in a season or anything. But if you want a player that, you know, is really going to work hard, honestly, I think that's a really, really good bit of business done by the Cowley brothers there at Colchester because you need goals. Connor Wilkinson will get you goals. Yeah, absolutely. And, and those are the sorts of things that they very much need. And then obviously we know Forest Green Rovers and Sutton United both need to be making transfer window moves. Um, you know, hopefully the earlier the better for both sides with Forest Green Rovers obviously losing Troy Deeney, not just losing Troy Deeney's manager, but also as a player as well. Um, you know, so they are going to need to... Although, I say that, if he's been sacked as a manager, is he still technically a player there? Because wasn't he a player head coach? Like, how does that go? <laughs> but um, well, no, I, I, I am aware that he's no longer at Forest Green Rovers. But um, it, as soon as I saw that he'd got sacked, it was the very first thing that popped into my head. It was sort of a, a little bit of a funny one there. But obviously, we know both of them need to be making moves. But they are both six points now adrift of Colchester United, United, a Colchester side who have obviously picked up in terms of some of their transfer window moves already and the fact they've got in two very experienced managers because it is Danny and Nicky, both brothers. Um, so it's going to be really, really difficult for them. They're going to struggle to bring in and recruit the talent there at the moment because they are looking destined for the National League. But they're still two weeks after the January transfer window, and it's going to be two very, very important weeks. It is for both those. Uh, so all the teams down near the bottom and near the top, it's going to be very important. Um, guys, look, before we go, I've just got to ask you a quick question just to finish it off. We have mentioned him a few times tonight, but that is Troy Deeney. Um, you're the manager of a football club. Your players don't perform. Would you come out and... Uh, Slate them in the press like he did last weekend. <sighs> no, not at all. Uh, I think saying that he'd rather watch Antiques Roadshow rather than his own side was probably a tad too far. Now, those are calling out players. Don't have an issue with a manager when a player's not playing well. I don't have an issue with a manager saying that there's clearly you know, an issue there that, that needs to be sorted on the train or anything like that. But for the way that he went in on Fankati Dabo, for example, was, was just far too far. And the way he went in on, on the whole team was, was just, you, you can't do it. Like he, he's turned around and he's brought up that penalty miss for Dabo that, you know, was would have obviously been heartbreaking for him in the summer, missing that penalty for, for Coventry to miss out on them going to the Premier League. So you just can't be bringing stuff like that up and expect everything to be forgiven and forgotten the next morning. 
So, so Carl, then do, do you think the second he came out and said that stuff, the writing was on the wall with it and that he was always going to go? Oh yeah, hundred percent. He was a he was a dead man walking as soon as he said that. As Charlie said then about uh, about Dabo, he was told what I think it's twenty four hours before um, the playoff final that he was going to leave in the summer. So you can tell he had character to to, to even step up and take the penalties. Yeah, Troy Deeney, <laughs> you've got absolutely no right to say what he said. Um, you've got to find a level for every player. You you know. He's been in the change room, so he should know the players, um, the impact of what he'll say if he goes out and says it in the press. Yeah, as I said, there's a level. There's there's calling out players to an extent to try and uh, motivate them to improve, but the majority of it, you kind of want to keep behind closed doors and to to set yourself up for, for what he did. There is absolutely no surprise what happened. So, yeah. He's gone, and I don't know if we'll be back in management uh, after that. Yeah, I, I can't see him getting a, a job anytime soon. But look, the, the one thing I will say is, I think if Troy Deeney was uh, in charge of Forest Green on Saturday, I think Gillingham would have thumped him about 4-0. But I think uh, Dale Vince has done the right thing. Get rid of him just before you play Gillingham, because generous deals will then turn up and give you a point. Guys, look, it's been a cracking show. We are come to the end of it. Uh, Charlie, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Matt, as always. Carl, thank you so much, and I hope you enjoyed your first show. Cheers, Matt. Appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been The Real EFL Podcast, and we will see you next week. It's the 90th minute, and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go, and do you know what? Your mate's already got booked for double dipping. But then, late on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.